So Shannon and I were at home, lounging in our den, watching Voltron Legendary Defender on Netflix, as you do, when suddenly a torrential downpour came out of nowhere. It was like all of a sudden it was raining misery all over my house. There was a knock at the door. Alyssa? Holy cow, Shannon. It's Alyssa Frankie of Whovian Feminism from Tumblr and Twitter and from the In Defense Off podcast. Alyssa, what in the world are you doing here? <laughs> Peter Capaldi. Oh my god, you look like Tenant after Journey's End. Come on inside. Let's let's dry you off. Can I get you anything? Hot tea, soup, uh whiskey. Oh, 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 okay. Let me find a tumbler. There's a glass here somewhere. Bottle! Yes, ma'am. And so, as long as she was here, I figured I might as well come out of hiatus again. Hi, I'm Chip Sutter. This is the Two Minute Time Lord Podcast, episode number 421, a time dilation episode, breaking hiatus once again because, yeah, well, Peter Capaldi, man. Wow, Alyssa, uh, 2017's just gotten off to a really rough start. It's really trying to compete with 2016 for tearing my heart into little pieces and then stomping on it. I'm reading Twitter, and people are excited about Peter Capaldi's on the radio, and he's got to be talking about something. Meanwhile, I'm getting text messages from you saying, oh my god, he's on the radio. I think I know what this means. Yeah, as soon as the BBC starts promoting interviews, there's some sort of spidey sense goes off. And I'm like, oh, no, why are they doing this? Why are they promoting a random interview for Peter Capaldi? This can't be good. Like, ugh. Uh, and your sense of pessimism was well-founded. Uh, he's going to be out uh, with the Christmas 2017 episode, presumably your traditional Doctor Departing Regeneration episode. How are you holding up? Oh, you know, crying, thinking ahead, getting really, really excited about what could be next, and then going back and thinking about all the wonderful things Peter Capaldi did and crying again. But, you know, it's something that we knew was probably coming, you know, with with Moffat being on the way out. He's going to have been there for about three, nearly four years. So it does sort of make sense timing wise that this would be a natural stopping off point for him. You know, we saw it with uh, Tennant and Davis. So it kind of, you know was expected, but still absolutely heartbreaking. Before we go into speculation territory, when Peter Capaldi was announced way back when, there was already speculation that he would be the guy, but there was a lot of hope that he would not be the guy, that the doctor would not be the guy. The drum beats for a woman or a person of color as the 12th doctor they were pretty strong back then, weren't they? They were. They were very strong. Um, a lot of people were stepping up and saying, you know, uh, this is something that it's it's really time to see it happen. You know, by that point, we'd had, oh, I can't remember if John Hurt had been announced at that point that he was had his role with the 50th anniversary. Um, but, you know, we knew 
11, at least men, white men had been playing the role. Um, and it was coming up on 50 years, you know, it was it was really time for the show to break out and do something new. And there was, you know, a lot of popular movement in favor of it. There were a lot of fans who were pointing out really wonderful women and people of color that could have been fantastic doctors for the show. So there was a lot of really popular movement around that time for it. A lot of people supported it. You know, it was a it was a sort of contentious announcement, not only just because we wanted a woman or a person of color or a woman of color to play the role, but, you know, that, that joke that Moffat made at our expense during the announcement just sort of felt like rubbing salt in the wound of, you know, a lot of people knew it was unlikely. It was a bit of a stretch. And there'd been so much speculation for other people that were all white men. We thought, yeah, this is probably inevitable that we're not going to get a woman or a person of color. Uh, and, it you know, it really it hurt at the time. But I think that the movement that we're seeing this time for someone who is not a white male to play the doctor is equally strong, if not stronger. A lot more people, we've we've come through that sort of the fight around Peter Capaldi's casting, much better prepared to see someone other than a white man play the doctor. And credit where it's due to Moffat, he's certainly done quite a bit uh, in those intervening years to really lay the groundwork for the idea in the show, uh, not only by having male Time Lords regenerate into female Time Lords, but also white male Time Lords regenerating into black women Time Lords. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out over the next few months. I do remember how my wife and I were watching the live stream on um, BBC America. They simulcasted with the BBC. Mm -hmm. And they had that one shot of PCAP's uh, – hi, Stephen. That's a toss-off for you. Um, his <laughs> – his, you know, before he before he's even shown, before they even show his face, there's this left hand with his wedding ring, and it's very clearly a male hand. And Shannon was hugely disappointed. I admit that I kind of was, too. And when it comes to hardcore Doctor Who fandom, if you listen to Verity, um, if you listen to what you've, been, what you've been saying now about wiping away tears, he won a lot of people over. How did he do that? He's just amazing. Like, I wish I could say something a little bit more thoughtful, but he is so passionate about this show like he is a fan of the best caliber like he loves doctor who he loves fandom he loves the people who love this show and he's thoughtful and he is genuinely just the nicest guy and he really built a character that was yes a little grumpier a little bit less user-friendly, but that had a lot of genuine heart to it. Um, and I think that brought a lot of people who were sort of on the brink with the show back. I know it brought me back. I was very close to, to stopping watching the show um, after Matt Smith's departure. And Peter's doctor was just so amazing. I had to come back and I had to watch what he was doing with the show. And he's just the best when it comes to, to reaching out to fans and being there for them and 
wanting to bring them in to the show, to to what he is doing with the show. Uh, And he's just a stellar actor. Like, he has done some absolutely amazing, defining moments for the show in the past few years. I mean, we're going to be walking away talking about some of the greatest performances in Doctor Who's history, and Capaldi is always going to have a place in the top of everybody's lists for all of the absolutely amazing things from, you know, the one-hand show in Heaven Sent to the absolutely gutting speech in the Zygon Inversion to everything in Face the Raven, seeing his grief for Clara, to his offhanded humor and the funny little dance he does uh, when he's in the TARDIS and the side eyes and the jokes. And he's really built some amazing performances. And I think that's something that's going to keep him in everyone's hearts for a while. You know, he, he wasn't the first Doctor I watched by a long shot. Um, I'd watched all of New Who and was fairly significantly through classic Who by the time that I started watching The Twelfth Doctor. But man, he's really like he's really become my doctor. He's worked his way into my heart that much that uh, he's always going to be the person that I think of first when I think of the doctor. One of the fascinating things for me about Capaldi, who's only done two seasons, and that's just just... He's only done two seasons, and we're now finding out that after this gap year, that this next season will be his last, and it just feels too soon, too soon. But on the one hand, he starts out really, really grumpy at the beginning of Series 8, and by the Christmas special in 2016, he's got Tom Baker mania going on. He's, it, there, have been, there have been many different Twelfth Doctors in the two years that he's been on screen. And on the one hand, I felt like I had trouble getting a handle on him. I didn't understand really what kind of character the Twelfth Doctor really is at at fun, fundamentally. But on the other hand, that's a hell of a lot of range, more range than Tennant or Smith or Eccleston ever really showed, wouldn't you say? You know, I don't know if I entirely I think I think Eccleston probably could have, but he, he only had one season. I felt, you know, I'll tenant's always gonna be really high for me, but he, he switched back and forth between personas like on a dime, which sometimes made it for me feel hard to have a grasp on who his doctor was. I think the thing that I come back to with Capaldi's doctor and I say this a lot, and I know it's a thing a lot of people have mentioned, that he really reminds me of the third Doctor um, in a way. And not just the hair and the velvet and everything like that, but the third Doctor really starts off as being this grumpy, kind of brusque, off-putting character um, when he's just at the beginning of his exile. And he, he has a little bit more time um, to, to make that transition over. But he, he mellows out um, quite a bit over the next few seasons. And uh, you get to see more of Pertwee's charm and sort of his genuine 
care and compassion for others. Um, and you get someone who's not constantly trying to brush people off. And I that's what I saw when I saw Capaldi's doctor. And I think you always you always have that period in the beginning um, and particularly in a first season where there, everyone's trying to get a handle on who this character is and what they will be like with this actor. So you've got you know scripts that are going back and forth um, and you've got performances that are you know going from one end to the other of playing up certain aspects of his personality and downplaying others. We saw that sort of that hard edge get a little bit smoothed out a bit. You know, he wasn't quite as brusque and mean and started to come down a little bit. And you got to where sort of Capaldi ended up in series nine of being that nice uh, balance between someone who's not really user friendly, but really has a lot of genuine heart at the core of him, that he really does care about the people in his life that he loves. Um, And you can do that while being a bit of snarky guy. And he just, he, I, for me, that he, I think he, he pulls off that balance very well. Thinking about that scripting process, I got the sense that they wrote him as bristly and prickly and untouchable and kind of mean in the eighth series. And, oh man, did he deliver and I think that they recalibrated because he could just he could just steer right into that skid if if they let him. So lightening him up and having him ride in on a tank with a guitar was probably, in the long run, very helpful for him. I think so, and I think you know this is one thing about the Twelfth Doctor that sort of bugs me when broader conversations happen is that there's a difference between prickly and not user-friendly and brusque and outright mean. And I felt like, and and this seems very much like a scripting rather than a delivery problem, that a lot of his early incidences where he's trying to be mean and rude really miss the mark and step over a boundary. And the things that I... She's my carer. She cares so I don't have to. Well, that, but also... He's pretty determinedly negging Clara for Ooh, the entirety yeah. of season eight, you know, saying that, you know, well, there's no point in you going back out to your date again because you've washed your face. Meanwhile, she's sitting there with a full face of makeup on. Uh, your hips are boyish, uh, you know, saying, oh, you know, you aren't a young woman anymore when she clearly is like Jenna Coleman already is the standard of beauty that most girls will never be able to reach. And having the doctor really insult her like that, like trying to take her down a couple of pegs specifically about her body and the way she looks, really is not a great thing not a great message for the young women who are watching this no. show. And that was a that was a particularly disappointing moment for me because I was like, there's a difference, you know? You can be a brusque, prickly kind of guy and not step over that boundary. And yet, Capaldi still maintained his charisma in his acting performance. And the doctor had maintained a certain amount of charisma that sort of overcame that part of the script, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You know, it was one of those things I remember watching it, and I had to remind myself that that happened, you know, that it was a moment that 
disappointed me in it because everything else really just hit it out of the park that he has this this great charisma and and here's the other thing he built this amazing relationship with Jenna over the two seasons that they were together that it always those moments always stood out as being particularly off and wrong in part because they had such this natural chemistry and charisma together. And you could really see how much the 12th Doctor valued Clara, that it almost seemed out of character for him to be making those remarks. And I think Capaldi really did a lot to show that respect for Clara uh, in ways that are sort of outside the script of just, you know, the way he would be watching her and the way that he would be supporting her, you know, just you think he did a fantastic job with that. The actor was the sort of person who would send a comic book artist his very own painting that he made and gratitude for the good work that she did on his likeness. He was constantly writing to fans. He is a fan's fan and he is a fan's doctor through and through. What do you think that he's going to do with this last season? Oh, Lord only knows. I He's not re- going to phone it in. You know he's oh, not. Oh god, no. He's he I think he's incapable of phoning it in for a Doctor Who episode. I remember season 8 the behind the scenes videos of him going on to set when he wasn't supposed to be there just to watch a Dalek get blown up by the VFX guys. Like he loves this stuff. I think he's going to really throw it all in. I think he's really going to go all out with this last season. I hope that uh, he does try some new things. You know, he's going to have a new companion. Um, he's going to have uh, sort of a new way to to show us a different side of the Doctor. I think that he's also very much aware with this season that he's going to be saying goodbye. I very much doubt that this was a decision that he just made this week. I imagine that he would probably have had to let people know uh, long before he made this announcement that he wasn't going to be continuing. So I imagine, you know, when we see these past episodes that have been filled, we're going to see Peter saying goodbye to us. Oh, I'm going to tear up again. Well, we're here for you. We're here for you. Uh, I think it's a little early to really speculate on what we will get out of a 13th Doctor. But that's not going to stop us. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that I think that there's time enough for that. Uh, I, I kind of rather celebrate and not eulogize Peter Capaldi because he's going to be with us until freaking Christmas. Um, yep. It's going to be... It's 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 going to be a pretty exciting year. We don't know what Chris Chibnall has up his sleeve. Uh, we don't know how much influence the BBC has. The rap on Doctor Who, at least in the UK, is that it has become less successful with general audiences. And people have been awfully quick to blame the fact that there is an older gentleman in the TARDIS. It's not. Uh, it's not the next reincarnation of Matt Smith or David Tennant. And our friend Kyle Anderson over at Nerdist.com speculates that the BBC is going to play it safe and give us another young white guy like it was in the glory days. Glory days that were only a few years ago. And yet here in America. You know, uh, America's audience is a fraction of the size of uh, the UK's, but this Christmas special was the highest rated ever for Doctor Who. 
I get the sense that hardcore fans really, really appreciate Peter Capaldi, and they are all—they are already prepared to hate the new guy, assuming that it's a new guy, because it's going to be a sop to the broader fandom rather than an older, more difficult doctor for them. I'm just sort of expecting old fandom to be prematurely grumpy, not because they're losing Peter Capaldi, but because they're already judging the criteria for which the next Doctor will be chosen. I mean, but aren't we always suspicious and angry over who the next Doctor is coming in? But I mean, seriously, I think Kyle brings up a really good point um, that the BBC is an institution and they have certain goals that they need to meet. And it's quite possible that they could be leaning to try to get a young white male to play the role. Um, I really hope that's not what the BBC is doing because I think their facts are entirely wrong. I think that you cannot simply poof a young white male into that spot and it's going to be just like the heydays with David Tennant. Young white men are not immediately interchangeable, much as I might joke that that is the case. Um, You need something that is going to be new and interesting and capture in viewers. And I'm sorry, but young white male is basically standard at this point. Like that storyline of, you know, the doctor's a young white male. Isn't this exciting? Was basically done after Peter Davison. Like that was okay. We had we had the shock. It's a young guy coming into the role. And, you know, we can we can let that, you know, that's not a surprise anymore. That's not something new and compelling. Uh, if you really want to capture people's attention, you need to break the format, break the mold a little bit and try someone new and radical and different. We do kind of have facts to back this up. You know, the top grossing science fiction movies of the past few years have been in the in science fiction franchises, at least, have been headlined by women and people of color. Um, you just have to look at the Star Wars franchise as one really astounding example of this. You have Force Awakens being headlined by a black man, a woman, and a, a Latino man. You have Rogue One, which is women and people of color solely. You have to look a little hard to find the white guys um, outside of the main cast group. You look at the genre television show, which has broken through in the past couple of years. It's going to be headlined by women and it's going to be headlined by people of color. Jessica Jones, Luke Cage both did exceptionally well for Netflix, as did Stranger Things, which, yes, a lot of young white boys, but also Eleven, that unique and interesting and strange and difficult female character is the draw for a lot of people. Um, So I, I understand that institutions may be reluctant to want to take a chance on something when it's not really been tried and tested in Doctor Who. But, you know, fandom really loves Missy and she's, you know, received so much critical acclaim and people basically rank her as being second only to Roger Delgado. The world did not end when a white male Time Lord regenerated into a black woman in the Series 9 finale. 
I really think the facts and the narrative is here to have a woman or a person of color play the doctor. And I think the BBC would be playing it safe to choose someone who is not a white male to play the doctor. The so-called tenant fangirls had their tenant and they are ready to move on. Isn't that fair? I think it's fair to say. I mean, plenty of tenant fangirls were brought into the show and stayed with the show because they loved the character of the doctor. I can squee with the best of them. But, you know, as much as people want to joke about all the girls who came in because of the cute guy coming in, not really understanding young women. We don't just scream for random young cute guys, you know. We're pretty willing to scream over John Boyega. We are really ready to scream over Riz Ahmed. And pretty much every Tenet fangirl that I know on Twitter has been swooning over the idea of getting Idris Elba into the show. My God, you cannot throw a stick on Twitter without <laughs> hitting a fangirl who would just pass out if Idris Elba became the next doctor. Uh, they're also really, really ready to swoon over Zawe Ashton or, in my personal opinion, Natalia Tenna, but I'm like one of five people that thinks that she would be great as the next doctor. Uh, fangirls, you know, we're pretty ready to squee and swoon over anybody that comes through. As long as they have a good story to tell, but a little representation wouldn't hurt for a change. Not in the slightest bit. Alyssa, this was, this was tons of fun. You know something? I think we should talk about Doctor Who again sometime. Maybe, maybe even regularly. I think this would be an excellent idea. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... You have been listening to the Two Minute Time Lord Podcast number 421, Time Dilation episode, lurching back into hiatus. But a change could be a coming. You can find my old episodes at TWOMinuteTimeLord.com. I'm on Twitter at numeral Two Minute Time Lord. Never did get that fixed. I think we'll be talking to you soon. <laughs>